Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Rick Martinez. I'm a cookbook author, a yogurt connoisseur, and a lover of caftans on the beach. And I am currently living in beautiful, sunny Mazatlan, Mexico. And I'm Carla Lolly Music. I am a cookbook author, professionally trained chef, and self-proclaimed bean queen of Brooklyn. And this is Borderline Salty, the show where we take your calls, boost your confidence, and make you a better, smarter, and happier cook. Today we'll weigh in on cooking for one techniques, leftover rice options, and a little fight about grilled cheese. There is this moment in a Queer Eye episode where Anthony says mac and cheese is something that can actually be so personal. And I completely agree, Anthony. but for me, there's something about a perfectly delicious grilled cheese sandwich that just fills my soul with happiness. But before we get into all of that dairy-based joy, Rick, tell me something good. Oh my God. Okay, so, so many good things happened this week, but something happened today, about eight minutes before we started recording, that completely trumped everything. Okay. (gasps) Oh my God. It's beautiful. Mikosina is here. Rick just held up a copy of his beautiful book. So I have been working on this book for, I don't know, it seems like decades again, but I've only ever seen it in PDF. And today I actually got the first physical copy of this book. (gasps) Did you cry? I'm going to cry now. I can't even describe the feeling. Like, it's finally in front of me. It's it's so amazing. It's like the cover is like more brilliant and vibrant than I ever could have imagined. And I am, I'm so insanely happy right now. So I am so proud of you. And I cannot wait to get my hands on a copy. I think at this point I've pre-ordered three. So I don't know who, <laughs> which one's going to get here first. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. So, so anyway. proud of you. Congrats. 
Thank you. And what is good with you? Well, pales in comparison, but I have treated myself once again to a very special food treat. This is the, I guess, the second year in a row that we haven't been able to take our favorite family vacation, which in the past like five years, we've gone to Costa Rica. I think it was my first fresh passion fruit that I ever had was in Costa Rica. And it's, I think it's the most delicious flavor to me. Like I love them so much and I was so sad to leave. So since we haven't been able to go away, I bought a flat of passion fruits and they just got here the other day. And I've just, I just stand at the kitchen counter, open up these beautiful, tiny, little, gorgeous purple fruits. And they're like that bright orange inside. And they're so sweet and tart and sour and fresh. And I'm just sure they have like 7,000 milligrams of vitamin C in each of them and just go through six, seven at a time. I wish I was there. No, you don't. <laughs> okay, re- yeah, I don't, really. <laughs> it's, it's the thought that counts. <laughs> Let's dive into these questions. Hey, Rick. Mickey Gomez. Went to high school with you. So excited about your podcast, and I've been watching your videos. My pronouns are she and her. My wife and I, we eat out a lot. However, we're starting to cook more at home. We have two children. My son absolutely loves chicken fried rice. Here's the problem. I can never get my jasmine rice to be sticky enough or to be um, as delicious as, let's say, chicken fried rice from a Chinese restaurant. So help. What do I do? Wow. Blast from the past. Mickey, so good to hear your voice. It has been many years. I'm not saying the number because no one needs to know that. Mickey and I went to David Crockett High School. Yes, that is a real place. Love that. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. Go Cougars, fight, fight, fight. Go Cougars, win tonight. (laughs) So, great question. (laughs) Glad you're making fried rice. So, I... I have to admit, I'm a little bit confused by the word sticky because I don't know what that means exactly. Because when I think of sticky, I think of that being slightly bad. Yeah, same. Or, you know, gummy. If it's sticking before you fry it, you're going to get probably not the best result. You're going to get more clumpy. Right. So what I normally do when I make fried rice is I will make my rice, and then as soon as it's ready— I basically take two forks and I pull it apart so that kind of opens up the grains. And then I spread it out onto a sheet tray lined with parchment paper. Yeah. And then just let it sit out on the counter and completely cool. And that can be out there for a few hours and it's totally fine. The thing is you want to lose that extra moisture. Mm -hmm. And then you take that and fry it in either a wok or a large skillet or a large nonstick skillet. But the trick is you need to use a decent amount of oil. So normally, if I'm cooking four cups of cooked rice, I'm going to use about a half a cup of oil. You know, you just go little batches at a time. You fry off whatever you're going to fry off. And then if you put the rice down in the hot skillet with the oil and then just kind of press it down so that it's making good contact with the surface of your pan and let that fry undisturbed for about a minute or two until it gets a little bit crispy. Maybe it takes on a little bit of color. And then flip and, and then do it like again. and mix it, stir it, mix it, break it up again, and then press it down again. Yeah, exactly. And so then you'll get the the rice that you'll be able to eat 
with chopsticks. Oh, oh, I love rice. I've like really thought a lot about rice. And if it were between rice and pasta, I've played this game. Like people play the like pancakes or waffles or like Coke or Sprite or whatever. For me, it's like rice or pasta. And like it is 100% rice. Like I'm going to the end of days with rice. Pasta with a good sauce. I mean, come on. Sure. Like Sure. Right. Sure, but rice? Oh, damn it. I know. I know. (sighs) I know. I know it's tough. You don't have to tell. You don't have to decide right now. It's just something when you can't fall asleep at night, just ruminate. (laughs) Ruminate on rice. (laughs) Next caller, please. Hi, Rick and Carla. My name's Jenna. My family's trying to eat less meat, so we're incorporating more meat alternatives like tofu. But since I've been cooking tofu, which is a very long time, I can never, never, never get it crispy. And I tried every method, dredging in cornstarch, cooking it on the stove, baking it, anything you can think of. I just can't get like a fully crispy piece of tofu that you get when you eat out. So any assistance here would be much, much appreciated. I mean, when she's eating out, they're probably very likely often deep frying. Right. Because the cornstarch method, it's foolproof. So starting with firm or extra firm tofu, cutting it into one or one and a half inch pieces, and then really thoroughly coating it in cornstarch. But then you have to have enough fat in the pan, right? Because if you don't have fat in the pan, it's not going to conduct the heat. It's not going to give you the crust. And then leaving it alone until it's brown before you turn it. But I really do find that works really well. No, completely. And I I also wonder if she's not letting it dry Mm -hmm. or else you're just going to steam it out. I used to be really diehard on the pressing method until I read To Asia With Love um, by Hetty McKinnon, and she's all about the cornstarch method, so I kind of changed gears. Okay, wait, so you don't press your tofu? She says you don't have to press, and so I trust Hetty, and so I did that, and I got great results. My God, why, why am I still pressing? Damn it. I know, yeah. I mean, I don't think pressing is bad, I just think, like, you could save yourself the time if you want to just go straight into the cornstarch and into the pan. Line two, you're on. Hi, this is Katie calling. I have a question for you about grilled cheese sandwiches. I know this is a very basic thing to do, but I've always had a hard time getting the perfect crunchy but not burnt grilled cheese and it's such a quick easy go-to i tend to not have this problem with other things that i make it should be such an easy one so would love your advice on how to make the perfect grilled cheese sandwich okay well firstly it's not quick yeah it's not quick or easy just because it's a basic food doesn't mean it's a basic technique there's a lot that needs to happen There's a lot of love that goes in it, but it will pay you back love for all eternity (laughs) once you have mastered this. And I have a very particular method, and to me, it is like gospel doctrine, according to Rick. So, Tell me mayonnaise is involved, please. Absolutely not. One thousand percent no. What? I'm shocked. Butter. All the way. In fact, not only butter, but I will go one step further, and I never, ever use this ingredient. I never, ever buy it. I never, ever call for it. But it's the one time that I will use it, salted butter. 
Rick, is this you? It sounds like you. <laughs> this is me. This is what I do. Just sliced American or deli sliced American cheese. That's sort of my my go-to cheese. Okay, tell me why. It is a processed cheese that melts very, very evenly and smoothly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I like the texture. I like it to be super shatteringly crispy on the outside and then gooey and liquidy on the inside. Just that it's like it's the butter and the and the golden crunch of the starch with a little bit of salt. I put the butter in the pan. And the reason why I put it in the pan and not the the bread is because as it melts, you can move the sandwich around. Right. And the butter will push up against the edge of the crust. And so now, not only is the surface of the bread crunchy and buttery, but now the sides of the crust are crunchy and buttery. Okay. That is equally as delicious. And it takes a while. You know, your your butter melts. You're going to stand there like maybe five, seven minutes. And that gives the crust enough time to set. It removes all the moisture from the bottom of the bread. It also starts to melt your cheese. Then you lift it up. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. Yep, yes. Okay, here we go, yeah. <laughs> so the first side is down. Mm-hmm. It's It hasn't been flipped yet. Are you pressing at all? No, 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 no. No pressing. No okay. pressing at all. <laughs> Everything you're doing is opposite of what I do. So just keep going. And then I get the spatula and I lift up a corner to see what color we're at. Add another tablespoon or two of butter. Let that melt. Flip it over. And then you do the same thing on the other side. It's just a slow toast. I mean, that's that's all it is. You're taking out, you're removing the moisture from the bread so that you can get a really ridiculously crispy golden surface. So now I need to know what you do. First of all, <laughs> it definitely is an American cheese because I just we just never have we just the only time I really buy American cheese is for burgers. I, I, I just don't even have a, a standard bread that I would use. Like, I guess in my ideal world, it would be uh, the Pullman loaf from Bianqui in Brooklyn, which is a Pullman style, so it's that perfect square. And I am putting a little bit of mustard on the inside because mustard and cheese go, are so great together. Yeah, delicious. And then the cheese is going to be grated and like i would love a blend of you know sharp cheddar and pepper jack maybe and then you're piling up the cheese in the middle of the bread and then you put your top piece on and i'm going to smear that butter wall to wall on that top piece but i also i'm a presser rick so when it goes down oh. butter side or mayo side down i'm going to press it down with a spatula because I want cheese to come out the sides, and I want the cheese to come out the sides and hit the skillet and to make, make like a little frico. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, this is a personal, this is per- as personal as a pan pizza. I mean, it is it's a personal choice. Borderline Salty, please hold. Hey there, my name is Maddie. One Kind of embarrassing question I have is that whenever there's a recipe that says it's going to take a certain amount of time, like recipes explained in for about an hour, it takes me twice that. And this happens over and over and over again, and it keeps me from trying new recipes. Bottom line, I have trouble budgeting my time in the kitchen. And 
Because it happens with basically every recipe. I assume it's a meat problem. And if you can help me with that, that would be well. This is not a you problem at all. I don't put time estimates on any of my recipes for total time because it's never right. Like the speed at which I might do a recipe is going to be completely different from the speed of my neighbor. It depends on your equipment. It depends on your oven. It depends on so many variables. I think one of the reasons that recipes take people a long time is because they think they have to do all of the ingredient prep before they start cooking. And the reason they think that is because a lot of recipes are written like that. Like in the ingredient list, it's going to say one onion chopped, you know, two potatoes cut into two inch pieces. A lot of people will lay all of that out because we've, as professional cooks, been hammering this thing about mise en place into people's minds for years. The truth is you don't need to set up mise en place unless you're about to do a stir fry or another really quick cooking method or a baking recipe where you really do need all of your ingredients measured out ahead of time before you start. Most recipes are going to give you lots of different moments of inactive and active time where you can squeeze in a little bit of busy work. And if you watch a professional cook in a restaurant, They start with the thing that takes the longest, and while that thing is going, they use that stretch of time to do either vegetable prep or whisking together a vinaigrette or, you know, measuring out other ingredients. But time and time management are really important in learning how to reduce the total amount of time that you spend working on a recipe was really front of mind when I was working on That Sounds So Good. That book is divided between Monday through Thursday and Friday and the weekend. And my whole thinking around that was that you have very different amounts of time to devote to recipes, whether or not it's like a lazy Saturday or you just got home from work or commuting or caretaking or whatever you were doing on a Wednesday evening. The weekends are for braises and slow roasts and stews and, you know, long cooked tomato sauces, delicious soups that get more delicious the longer they simmer for. Weeknights is for quick stuff, shellfish, shrimp, you know, chicken cutlets, chicken thighs, salads that are totally loaded with protein and veg and crunchy things and nuts and seeds that you just throw together and they're still super satisfying and sustaining. So, you know, just remember where you're at. You're not making ragu bolognese on Monday night. Hey guys, my name is Asa. I live on my own and I can't seem to figure out how to cook for one reasonably. I'm always turning my very small kitchen into this huge experiment and I can't seem to make a simple meal. What I'm looking for is some suggestions on how to take my desire to cook and maybe scale it down for size. Thanks so much. Okay, this is all you. All right, Rick. Like, yeah, no, but you live alone. I, this is all you. I, I am genetically, I am genetically incapable of cooking <laughs> for for one. <laughs> like I'm, I'm convinced. Like first of all, I don't actually think that it's wise. Like why? I had this argument with my friend Eric Kim, and he's like, "Oh, I came up with this great idea to make a lasagna that fits in a loaf pan." I was like. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. If I'm going to go through the bother of making a lasagna 
that motherfucker is going to be a 13 by 9 deep dish. I'm going to be eating my face off for a week, and I'm going to freeze whatever's left over, which probably not very much because I probably will eat half of it in one sitting. And I'm going to be fine with that. Like, where, where is the problem? Where, I tell you. I think what some people complain about is like, sure, I can make this recipe for four. I can make it for six. But then I have to eat the same food for like meal after meal after meal, and I get bored, right? And and that's I think that's a valid because I'm the same way. That's this is why I don't meal plan because if I tried to think about what I would want to eat in four days, I'm going to be wrong when the four days roll around, and I'm not going to want what I thought I wanted. So it's clear that Asa like likes to cook. What I would say is instead of doing big composed meals, like have fun doing components for meals. So start thinking about cooking ingredients that can become a meal instead of just big batch cooking. So like make enough grains for four or six servings. And then if you're making beans, don't make two ounces of beans for one meal. Cook half a pound of beans and you don't necessarily have to combine those things until you want to. And then you have cooked beans you can take in any flavor direction. You've got cooked grains you can take in any flavor direction. You could have some braised greens that are simply flavored. Then you can take those in a different direction. So, like, just bank your building blocks. I agree. Building blocks is a really smart way to think through batch cooking without getting sick of meals. But I'm a freezer guy. End of story. Right. Okay, so bottom line, continue cooking for four or six or eight and get a chest freezer. A hundred percent. To me, it's a surprise, right? Like, because I I will eventually forget all the shit that I put in the freezer. And if one day I'm poking around and I'm hungry and I want something to eat and I see, like, this gift that I left myself, like, a half of a lasagna, like, that is, that is going to make my day. Because chances are, if I'm poking around a freezer looking for food, I'm like, I've not had a good day. Like, I'm tired and I'm hungry. And if I see lasagna, I'm going to be super happy. You know, write little cute cards and say, because I love you, Rick. <laughs> can you make some of those and just send them to me so I can put them on my own? <laughs> Stuff that I put in there. <laughs> oh, this one's from Rick. <laughs> I love you, Carla. <laughs> happy Monday, Carla. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we head out, it's time for one of our favorite borderline salty segments, Rad Fad or Bad Fad. All right, Rick, are you ready for this one? Oh God, what do you have in store for me today? What I'm about to play for you is a TikTok where our mutual friend Carolina takes her leftover rice, throws it in a blender with some water, then forms that mixture into little balls then she sautés those cute little rice balls, not one, but two different ways. I have a ton of leftover rice, so let's make something with it. Add some rice to a blender and some water. Now we blend. You're looking for a mashed potato consistency, and we're going to cook this on a nonstick pan until it turns into a paste. Whoa. Shape them into little spheres and sear them in butter. The fun part is they can be sweet, they can be savory. Oh These ones are some brown sugar ones. Here we have some soy garlic ones. Cheers. I really like this, actually. Don't those look good? I've never blended rice before. Why have I never thought of this? Like, have you have you ever done that? No, essentially, so she's taking leftover rice and blending it with water, which is, I, I guess, I never have leftover rice, like, hanging out long enough to need to do this, but they really remind me of glutinous rice balls, like Chinese yes. glutinous rice balls, which is one of my favorite textures like the sesame ones but they're also kind of like korean tteokbokki but those are made with rice flour not cooked rice that you've blended with water to make a thick little batter but also like i love that she also said that you could go sweet or savory right playing up like a caramelized rice pudding ball kind of yeah sounds pretty amazing i know i find the Shape really pleasing. I'm I'm loving this like quick saute situation. And then also it's just a great leftover hack. I actually don't even think that I can wait until I have leftover rice. I think I may just go make some rice right now, split it in half, do one half savory, one half sweet. This is a rad fad. Not that we needed it, but just more proof that it is rice all day, every day, till the end of days. That's it for this week's episode of Borderline Salty. But don't you worry, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, you can find recipes and recommendations from this week's episode in our show notes. Check it out. If you have a question or a fear you want us to help you through, you can always leave us a voicemail at 833-433-FOOD. That's 833-433-3663. Borderline Salty is an original production by Pineapple Street Studios. I'm Rick Martinez. And I'm Carla Lolly Music. You can find our social handles in the show notes for this episode. Natalie Brennan is our lead producer. Janelle Anderson is our producer. Our managing producer is Agarenish Ashagre. Our assistant producer is Mari Orozco. 
Our head of sound and engineering is Raj Makija. Mixing and engineering by Davy Sumner and Jason Richards. Our assistant engineers are Sharon Bardalis and Jade Brooks. Original music from our very own Raj Makija. Additional music from Vincent Vega, Spring Gang, and Glovebox, courtesy of Epidemic Sound. Legal services for Pineapple Street are provided by Bianca Grimshaw at Granderson De Roche. Our executive producers are Max Linsky and Jenna Weiss-Berman. We appreciate Mickey, Jenna, Katie, Maddie, and Asa for calling in this week. And thanks to you for listening. Talk to you next week. Nos vemos. Ciao for now. Bye.